Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-vibing friends. I am so excited you are here today. And as always, I have an exciting guest to introduce. Today, we're going to be talking to Nick Franson. He is a licensed acupuncturist and functional medicine specialist. He's a U.S. distributor of the famous Rubimed products from Switzerland that change how you think. For a decade, he has helped over a thousand people overcome their negative subconscious blocks, reach their financial goals, improve their relationship, and overcome past trauma. He has also worked extensively with many doctors around the world in Switzerland and Germany. He was a lead clinician at the Hope for Cancer Medical Center in Tijuana, Mexico, and currently operates the Franson Center for Advanced Medicine. Welcome, Nick. Hi, Caitlin. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing wonderful. Perfect. Well, I'm excited to have you on, and we'll start by just um, sharing kind of how you got started and doing what you're doing today. Uh, yeah, Caitlin. So um, I'm a licensed acupuncturist. You know, I focused a lot throughout the years on a natural healing. I originally started with my son who was two years old when uh, he was diagnosed with autism. So that kind of brought me into a world where we were looking for treatments for him that were non-conventional because conventional didn't have any answers. So that kind of blossomed into different things. I worked with a lot of different uh, well-known doctors from Europe and eventually got into some a unique way of treatment uh, that really helps people heal from their past, uh, helps them overcome past trauma, and what we like to call our subconscious blocks and belief systems. Mm. Yeah, I'm super interested in it because I think that um, you're speaking to a really wide audience, right? With having kids with that, you know, either are diagnosed with um, different, you know, things going on, or they are really just having like a kid that's sick at home, but they don't want the conventional medicine or different things going on. So I love that um, you looked for more of the homeopathic remedies. Um, And I'm curious if we'll just start by kind of you telling us what, um, a little bit more about that. How does, how does something that you take help with thought patterns and beliefs and blocks? Yeah, great. So essentially the system that I currently use um, is, is a system called RubyMed. And it was developed by a German doctor by the name of Reimar Banis. And Dr. Banis was really a medical doctor uh, who worked extensively with a lot of people who had mental emotional issues. Mm-hmm. And so in the early 90s, he was using a, a lot of treatment methods that were non-conventional because he felt like some of the conventional medicines weren't working well for his patients. So he began to use something called Bach flower remedies. So maybe some of your listeners have heard of Bach flower before. Mm-hmm. You can find them at almost many grocery stores and they can work wonderfully well that the essence of certain flowers can treat someone, somebody's emotional condition. And so he spent several years using these Bach flowers and he said, I got great results with them, but it always seemed to be short-lived. They would Patients would improve, but it was only a matter of months before they would sort of slip into uh, 
deeper troubles or back into old ways of thinking or old ways of feeling. Mm -hmm. So that led him into a scenario where he wanted to find a better treatment. So he started kind of on his own and he used various homeopathic ingredients until he came up with a combination of 28 different homeopathic remedies that were designed to go on a much deeper level than what the Bach flowers were designed to do. And from here, the whole world began to change and people began to drop some of their addictions. Uh, they began to break free from old psychological patterns from things like a, as abuse as a, as a child or uh, trauma that was in, involved in a relationship or lots of different things that, that sort of hold us back from progressing. So this whole system was uh, then actually got onto the equivalent of an Oprah in Germany, and it has spread clear throughout Europe with, with a very large presence. And then we just brought it into the U.S. here last year. Wow, that is really fascinating. Yeah, I um, have heard of some kind of the work with flower essence and with different you know, mental capacities like depression or anxiety, um, but I'm really interested, you know, how that can work. Cause I think that we do need something that is more than talk therapy, right? Instead of going the traditional, it's one of the reasons I started this podcast. I think that traditional and conventional ways can be really helpful in certain situations, but we are such complex beings that function on so many different, um, ways. And that's one of the things where, you know, there's a lot of research that says talk therapy with, you know, um, medication like that a psychiatrist is going to prescribe but we have kind of i feel like had some fear around using more of the natural things because it's so much in the unknown well we don't know our 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 western ideas we like to prove things right mm -hmm. so a, a pharmaceutical company is going to do clinical studies and they're going to try to prove a concept that this particular particular drug causes this sort of a reaction on a biological standpoint. Mm -hmm. Well, there's not a lot of funding in the naturopathic world to do those kind of studies. So that's where the block sort of starts to come. And I, I like what you said about talk therapy. It's wonderful. We all know that it is. We know they can help lots and lots of people. But we also know that it has its limitations. If mm -hmm. talk therapy worked for everyone, then people would walk into the office. We could help them analyze their problems. They would go, oh, that's totally right. And they would walk away healed. Mm -hmm. But just knowing what our problems are or how we should behave doesn't seem to change the behavior. So there's something deeper that drives an individual's behavior, why they think I can't make the kind of money that I need to make. I can't break free from what happened to me as a child. I can't maintain good relationships because of how I was treated in the past relationships. So we have to realize that there are subconscious belief patterns that underpin and sort of really drive the behavior of an individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I fully believe that, right? It, I mean, it goes back to even um, inner child work or working on the stories that we have adopted from our parents or different peoples in our lives. And started to run as our own programming. And that's a lot of what you're talking about, those subconscious belief patterns that we may not be fully aware, right? It's not a conscious belief that we're operating under something that we 
may not necessarily believe as true if it was brought to kind of the conscious awareness, right? So how do we start working with subconscious programming and stories that we've been told? Well, first of all, I think it's kind of important to understand a little bit how these subconscious blocks are formed, right? Mm -hmm. So I I like to condense it into three different options. Number one is trauma. Uh, uh, The death of a loved family member can cause a huge amount of trauma that can sort of alter a person's belief system about, you know, maybe life or death, or how am I going to survive now that this person's gone or, or those sort of things. So trauma is usually one of the big one that really, it forces alterations in brain chemistry. So those studies have been proven and have been done that certain trauma can change the neurotransmitters, how they react Mm -hmm. and the overall brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. The second one, is a learned behavior. So let me give you an example here. So I tra- treated a woman one time um, and she had had a severe eating disorder for possibly a decade. Okay. Mm. And uh, for her, she knew right when it started, she was a track runner and she was really fast. And she said, I always ate well. I never had body image troubles, but I got on a scale to do a weigh in for track. And the coach said, oh, you're one pound overweight. And something associated with who she was accepted that belief that, oh, I am overweight. I've got to do something about that because I am overweight. See, we have this ability to accept what people tell us as a, a belief, or we can reject it. She could have said, oh, you're crazy, coach. You know, I'm in great mm-hmm. shape. <laughs> but for her, it was and her genetic makeup, that was a belief she accepted and then created 10 years of binge eating, of anorexia, lots of health problems, uh, lots of teeth problems, because all those sort of things mess with the mm-hmm. acid and pH balance, things like that. And so the second way that we create these subconscious blocks is when we accept a false belief system that negatively impacts us. Mm. Okay. The third way that these beliefs are formed is they're inherited. You will hear oftentimes people say, you know what? My grandma had anxiety. My mom has anxiety. My aunt has anxiety. And I'm just an anxious person. And there is a little bit of truth to that. Mm-hmm. So there were some studies done by Dr. Rachel Yehuda out of uh, New York, where she studied uh, the, the children of Holocaust survivors. So she found in this interesting study that many of the children suffered from, were, they were more prone to anxiety and post-traumatic stress disorder than the other other Jewish individuals who had not been through the Holocaust. So because of what their parents had been through, there had been a epigenetic change that had actually predisposed them to be a little bit more uh, a little bit more anxious than they than their peers peers' parents who had not been through the same thing. Hmm. Wow, that's a really powerful study. I have not heard of that one before, but I do know that there's a lot of, um, you know, things that back it up, especially with addiction, more of the kind of field I work in um, and seeing kind of the n- genetic component of 
that being inherited. Um, but wow, that is a really powerful study. I'm interested to look that up. So if you take some of your experience, and I, of course, mm-hmm. would like to hear some of what you have that experience as uh, addiction specialist. Do mm-hmm. you see that in in some of these ways that the subconscious blocks can be formed in addict or addicts? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just as you're thinking, um, you know, it kind of goes to these things as you're sharing about like clients that you've worked with um, that I do. I mean, I used to work with eating disorders as well and would kind of see um, these learned behaviors a lot more specifically in that population. Um, and then I do see with a lot of my clients that are struggling with um, substance use disorders and co-occurring mental health um, is more the I see it both the genetic component and these learned stories or behaviors. And I see how that really plays a role when we get more of that full picture where we're having, you know, family sessions more than just individual counseling sessions. Mm. Um, But it's powerful to see the dynamics and know, um, you know, that there is obviously the, the scientific piece of that being backed up, but also seeing it play out in front of you, um, is really powerful to see like how, how people have adopted someone else's belief as their truth. I had a similar client come to mind. Um, and one of the things that we were discussing a lot was, um, she recently, um, entered early recovery from alcohol and she was really interested in weight loss surgery, but she wasn't able to make a decision. And we talked a lot about, you know, a lot of different aspects of it with self-confidence and self-image and um, where this was really coming from. And we got all the way down to this piece, very much of the learned behavior where she had, um, a grandmother, I believe, tell her that her stomach was getting a little bit big when she Mm. was younger. And that allowed her, she started telling me, you know, I never have had a problem with how I look or my weight before I had someone else comment on it. And she remembered that, you know, happening at eight years old, right? So even seeing something that we took as so small impact our entire lives because of somebody else's idea or belief that we decided was going to be true. How much impact does a parent or a loved one have on the belief system of an individual when they're young? Oh, yeah, insane <laughs> amount. I'm like, oh my goodness, let's talk about attachment styles and all these different things, right? Right. Kids, yeah, we do. They we rely very heavily. And if we go back to um this idea of um Eric Erickson's stage of development and look at kind of when kids build their identity and their sense of self, it happens when they're very young. And then it starts to shift into, you know, friends and things around like 11 to 13. But that first 11 yes. years is based on parents and interactions with people in powerful positions. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So let's take this particular scenario. So we know that there's this there's a science of epigenetics, right? We're not completely locked into our genes and there's no way to change them. Mm-hmm. Epigenetics shows that if we change our environment, we can change how our genes are expressed. We can't change our genes, but how they are expressed. For example, someone may have diabetes and it runs in the family, but if they make a choice to eat differently, to eat more healthy, they can then create and turn off certain epigenetic triggers that will bring them less, be predisposed to diabetes. And they can pass those on to their progenity going forward as well. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to be locked into these subconscious blocks that we may have inherited or that we may have learned, but we have to remember well, how are we going to treat these? Mm-hmm. 
right? How, how are we how are we going to treat these beliefs? Because we know just being made aware that this is not a good way, good place for me to be. This these are not good thoughts for me to be thinking. Just that alone is not enough to make the change. Mm-hmm. So that's what's so unique about these particular this particular system out of Switzerland is that homeopathy, when it's created at very high dilutions, homeopathy is a diluted science of how remedies are created. We could talk about that if you would like, but they have a very high ability to work on the mental, emotional, even spiritual side of an individual. And so a lot of times what will happen with these individuals that go through this therapy, and it's very simple, right? So we're talking, you know, drops, you know, of the medicine into water. We drink the water a couple times a day. So mm-hmm. nothing, you know, there's no talk therapy involved. Of course, that can be done. We do have therapists um, that say their patients make more progress in six months on this Ruby Med system than they would have in two years of just talk therapy. So mm-hmm. it definitely improves and make things go faster. Mm-hmm. But essentially, when we begin to to use this sort of treatment, it has the ability to sort of dissolve some of these subconscious belief systems and some of these different things that we struggle with. Mm-hmm. So let me let me give you an example from my own my own history. So when I was first introduced to this, probably maybe 10 years ago, we did some testing and someone said, all right, the particular subconscious block that you're dealing with has to do with isolation. So they gave me a combination of a couple of remedies. And I said, you know what? I grew up on a potato farm in Idaho. I've got a great family. I had a pretty great upbringing, you know, no trauma. I'm a pretty happy guy. I don't find that I'm very isolated. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to go with what, what this is about. Hmm. And so I started taking these remedies. And within about the first three weeks. Now, the biggest side effect one begins to get when they take these remedies is vivid dreaming. All right. Mm. Not necessarily memories, but they will typically tape on on a theme. Well, in this particular scenario, I did have a dream and it was an old memory, a fairly benign memory, one that I hadn't thought of probably since the event had happened. And I remember myself, I could see myself in the dream. I'm walking out. I'm probably seven or eight years old. I'm walking out to go play with a couple of my best friends out on the playground. And one of them starts making fun of me. And I see myself turn around and just kind of walk off and go play over on the monkey bars with somebody else. And I wake up. And so that kind of shocked me especially with the theme having to be with isolation. Mm -hmm. So these remedies seem to have this ability to subconsciously root out some of these negative self-defeating belief patterns that may carry forward some of us for decades in our whole lives. Mm. Wow. That's really powerful. I appreciate you sharing kind of how you personally experienced this too. Um, and I, and I feel my, you know, more like the, the Western side, right. Um, of like, how, how does it do that? <laughs> yes. So, I mean, from our Western standpoint, we have to look at this and people want to know, well, how's that even possible? So homeopathy mm-hmm. is really based on a therapeutic system that was developed 1796 by a guy named Samuel Hahnemann out of Germany. And it's based on the idea that a patient can be treated or, or, uh, fixed essentially or healed with minute doses 
of natural material, which in larger doses can actually cause a pathological condition from which the patient suffers. This is a treatment called like treats like. So for example, if you go outside of your home and you see a tree, you take that leaf, a leaf off that tree, you're going to set it in a little, you know, bottle of maybe water and alcohol. We're going to let that kind of sit for a couple of weeks, right? We're then going in, we're going to take out one drop of that solution. We're going to put it in a clean bottle of water and alcohol. Take a drop out of that one, put it into a third, drop out of that one into a fourth. We are essentially diluting the substance. Hmm. And technically, we get to a point, the higher dilution that you get, the more it seems to have effect on the mental emotional condition. And the lower dilutions have, a, have an effect on the physical sort of uh, the physical body in and of itself. So it's through these dilutions that this is how homeopathy works. So someone might say, really, Nick, you're telling me if I take the substance and I dilute it, that it's actually going to be stronger and heal me as opposed to just taking the raw herb, like Chinese herbs, they don't dilute those, right? Mm -hmm. we, we grind them up and we put them in a decoction or whatever, and we give them to the patient. 30 years ago, there was a team of scientists led by a prominent French immunologist named Jacques Beneviste, okay? And he reported, and they actually proved this study, that solutions that are ultra-highly diluted of biological substance, like uh, could be plants, could be different tissues, they actually would induce specific biological reactions in living cells. So they took uh, certain uh, uh, compounds and they were able to show uh, a basophil. Basophil is a, a type of an immune cell. And when a basophil, when it gets a certain reaction, it will technically break open and we call degranulation, right? And it releases things like histamine and all kinds of different things that it's an, it creates an immune response. So their study, which was published in Nature during the nineteen in the nineteen nineties, I believe, showed that they could give a highly diluted natural substance, and it would actually cause an immune response. Hmm. So th that's the whole science between homeopathy is that there's these dilutions that can actually create healing. Now in Russia, they've done, they've gone a lot further than that. And they've taken now modern day equipment, things like dynamic light scattering and nanoparticle tracking analysis and different things. And they've actually been able to show that when a substance is highly diluted and succussed, that's the, basically, a, so we pound, pound the remedy, we shake it really, really vigorously, that it creates something called nano associates or nanoparticles, and it creates a certain type of charge. So they've actually found in uh, transmission electron microscope that when water is dehydrated um, and evaporated, you can actually see that there's nanoparticles there that were not there in the water when it was undiluted. So that's kind of a longer explanation, but there is real science now proving that there is something going on in homeopathy. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing all that. And, you know, I think um, working with a naturopathic doctor and kind of doing more the 
you know, Eastern medicine, Chinese herbs, all that. Um, I have engaged a lot in that. And it makes me think of currently I'm doing um, NAET for allergies. And Mm -hmm. it's a similar kind of idea in that sense of what I'm hearing. Um, I mean, different to a point, but, um, and I haven't had anything work for, um, you know, on the Western side of medicine, right? So, you know, you're offered, especially for, when you have an anaphylactic response to a food. Um, and that's specifically what mine are. I'm allergic to tree nuts. Um, and so when I went to the Western medicine route, it was like, oh, well, when you get to that point, there's really nothing we can do. We can help you with allergy drops or shots for seasonal allergies, but we can't do anything um, that way. And so um, I did get to the point where I was having anaphylactic reactions and you know had to use my EpiPen and all these different things. And I finally got to the point where I was like, no, I'm not going to take that the Western medicine has no way of fixing it. There has to be a way that I can support my body and my immune system. And so I started acupuncture years ago and I found Mm -hmm. NAET and um, it has been amazing. I've actually been able to um, have food touching tree nuts now. And after, I mean, I've been obviously doing my treatment for a long time now and have done different Chinese herbs to help my body and my immune system, but I'm able to... um, have that touch without having an anaphylactic reaction. And I'm still in the process of those treatments. But as I hear you talk about, you know, how this works and how um, it allows for that immune system to have a reaction, it makes a lot of sense because it's just like you said, introducing something that's very natural, just like for me, nuts are a natural product of, you know, the the world. Uh, Introducing that, I have an immune reaction that's not positive, but same idea to a point of where you're, we're finding that different natural things can impact your body in a different way. So we're breaking it down that way uh, makes a lot more sense to me, who's not an expert in, you know, homeopathic med- uh, remedies and um, naturopathic medicine. That's perfect. That's, that's perfect. My next question that I would ask you is, have you always been allergic to tree nuts? I have. Um, and I don't have any, um, allergies in my family besides, um, like penicillin, I think, and I'm not personally allergic to penicillin. So that is the one that was kind of an odd thing for us is I have, I've had a load of allergies, just like Mm. a ton, but I've been able to grow out of pretty much all of them. And then I've worked through a lot with NAET, but we just had started the tree network not long ago. And I had an accidental interaction and didn't go in anaphylactic shock when I previously had before. But I'm not sure where my allergies have come from. So it's a really interesting, obviously, homeopathy. Well, NAET is basically another science of using diluted substances mm-hmm. to, to create a stimulated reaction of the immune system. You know, I had a I had a friend years ago and uh, she said, I'm, I'm allergic to seafood. And we started discussing, uh, you know, when was that always the case? No, it happened right, right around my early teens. Well, what was going on in your early teens? Well, you know, my, my, my parents divorced when in my early teens and we had a lot of trauma that happened. I said, and how in that same scenario, you became allergic to seafood. And she began to kind of lift her eyebrow and she said, yes, yes, that's actually true. And I said, there may be an emotional component to that allergy that could be related to a little bit of trauma that you went through when you were a kid. So there's all kinds of connections that can be brought into play. Yeah. I, okay. I'm actually thinking about this now. I'm like, you know what, when you asked me if I've always been allergic, when I tested for NAET to see if there was, you know, the physical, um, 
and we tested for emotional component, there was. And now that I think back, <laughs> um, uh-huh. I think my first reaction when was was when I was um, six or seven. And my parents got divorced when I was eight. And it was, um, you know, there were some things going on where there was trauma. I never had a reaction before that. And I actually remember like eating pistachios and like, as weird as this sounds, like my parents eating pistachios and my sister and I eating them and then sucking on the shelves because they had salt on them. But mm-hmm. I was able to do that um, until I wasn't. Ah, So interesting. <laughs> so interesting is right. Could the actual biological manifestation of an allergy really be created by an emotional component that's uh, kind of blocks the immune system or causes it to overreact. So we call this a psychosomatic response, right? Mm -hmm. So this is something that uh, is in the past that is manifesting physically. It's very common. Um, It's very common and, you know, very, an easy way to explain this is, you know, someone gets a lot of anxious anxiety, anxiousness, and all of a sudden their stomach gets upset. Mm-hmm. Right. And someone, a lot of people would go to the doctor and say, you know, my stomach's horrible. And well, he said, maybe you got a bacteria. And next thing you know, you're on antibiotics mm-hmm. and it has not, and that has, it's clearly nothing but a, a reaction to an emotional stressor. Right. No, and I think that's a big one. I talk a lot about that with my clients, right? It's this idea of your gut is your second brain because you do interact so much. Um, with your emotions having that impact. And it makes me think of the book, The Body Keeps the Score, because mm-hmm. um, we can really see that, you know, we're not separate. And I think that's one reason, again, where I go back to this idea of, you know, why I have this platform is because there are so many ways that we interact and we try to put our healing so compartmentalized, like, okay, I'm going to do talk therapy for my mental health. And I'm going to go to the gym for, you know, see a personal trainer for my physical health or, you know, a nutritionist for this. And we, and even though those are, you know, fantastic ways to help support yourself with certain goals or different things, if you're not looking at it as a holistic approach to how you function and what's going on in your life, then you're really missing out from kind of what we're, what we're talking about. And that's, that's exactly true. That That is so true. And so many of the patients that I see, Caitlin, they're, they're kind of on their last ditch effort, right? You know, mm-hmm. they were like, you know what, is it my hormones? I've already, you know, I've already been biological hormones for three years. And honestly, they're not helping some people they help. And if they do, that's great. You know, I, I'm depressed. I, you know, I've got anxiety and they've, they've not explored the real root of the problem that could be, you know, a bad relationship they had, you know, in their twenties, you know, it could be the death of a family member that really shook them to the core. Uh, It could be, you know, not being able to meet dad's expectations. You know, I was talking with a guy here just the other day and he was, I mean, he was a sex addict basically is what Mm -hmm. he was. And a great guy. I mean, very charismatic and just a ton of fun to to, to talk to. It was hilarious. <laughs> and he just said, I, I just, I just need to be loved, you know? And he just, I just need to be loved. And I was basically trying to t- tell him that it's not that you, you need to be loved. It's you're trying all this other way through sex to fill a void from your father who left when you were 12. Mm. And that is what's really at the heart of your behavior is you're trying to fill something that you didn't get. And the behavior now is, is destroying you essentially. 
So these things are so interconnected. And that's why RubyMed is a way that we can actually use a treatment method to go in and sort of root out some of these self-defeating belief patterns. Yeah. So, you know, I want to touch on something you said a little bit earlier with this idea of kind of toxic self-help, right? Like the just change how you think um, or... Mm you know, this idea of you can heal fully from, you know, doing meditation or affirmations or visualization. And I'm curious, I think you've kind of said it to a point, but I'm going to ask it again. Why are those not enough? What is the difference by adding Ruby Med or, you know, some, we're talking about Ruby Med. So adding Ruby sure. Med to this, um, to assist in the healing. So all those things are very good, mm-hmm. right? So I'm not the sort of guy who wants to poo-poo all the other methods. I say, bring what you have, see if we can't add to it. Mm. So all those things, talk therapy, self-help, meditation, all these retreats and all this sort of stuff, they're trying to break through, right? They're trying to break through with why I can't have the relationship I want, why I can't make the money that I want. Why do I just, I I don't have the self-esteem or the self-love or the self-confidence that I know that I should. When we're dealing with subconscious conflicts, Caitlin, a lot of times when you're using meditation, you're using these other therapies, it's a conscious thing, Mm -hmm. but we don't know to what extent and how deep these unconscious beliefs are really driving the system. Let me give you, let me give you an example. So I grew up in a religious home, great family, uh, great parent, great parents, perfect scenario. It really was. And um, up until I was probably 35, my religion was extremely important to me. My faith is still important to me. It's just not the same as it was before. And I was on the Ruby meds. All right. The one thing about the Ruby med system is it's not quick. You can't just be like, hey, we're going to root this self-conscious, self-destructive belief out of you and it'll be gone in 30 days. So our (laughs) program takes a year, Mm -hmm. right? People go on the program for a year. So I had gone through my first, you know, isolation one there about the first month I had started, but here I am month nine. All right. I'm just taking my little remedies, doing my little thing. And I got up one morning to go to a little religious event and I never missed this event. Every Saturday I was always there and I got in my car and it was almost like this lightning bolt that hit me. What in the world are you doing, Nick? And it shocked me because I would have never in a thousand years questioned anything associated with my religious way of thinking. It was so subconsciously deep and rooted and generally healthy, but to question it, it it was, it was impossible. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say no amount of meditation would have got me to that point. No amount of, you know, uh, event that I went to Bali to do some retreat would have got me to that point. But here I am in my normal workday environment. And all of a sudden, I am questioning things that I've been taught. And all of a sudden, I'm not sure if they were really as true as I once thought they were. And this would, Caitlin, this would have never happened. Mm -hmm. Right? So these were very deep rooted beliefs. So from that point, you know, I began a period of self discovery. Now, meditation helps, right? Now there's Mm -hmm. something there that I found that I didn't even know was blocking me before. 
And so, of course, I went, I kept going through the program and using my remedies and finding a new part of me that I just didn't really know existed. And that brought me to a place where I hadn't been and really spiritually and emotionally brought me to a new level that I would have never gotten to on my own. That's why these subconscious beliefs are so deep that we should really hit them with something else besides the traditional meditation and and things like that. I love that. What a beautiful explanation and answer. And I think that the one biggest takeaway too that I, I want to highlight is that you said you're a strong pro- proponent on take what you have and bring what you already know. Um, and I think that's one of the things that I harp on with my clients is again, there's no one thing fix fixes all. You have all these tools to figure out what works for you. And I love that Ruby Med is in the US now and an option. Um, I know we're short on time, but I want to ask uh, if we have people that are looking into this or wanting to get started, where can they start to learn more? Yeah. So you can go to our website, which is privianaturals.com. That's P-R-I-V-I-A naturals with an S.com. You can read all about the method. We've got uh, eight books translated from German into English. There's probably 300 articles. We do have uh, 11 different clinical studies. So we're not lacking in information to absorb. Um, And there's a button right on the front that says, uh, you know, schedule a time to talk. I want to hear your story. Um, I know that we can help you. I know we can bring you to a level that you have not seen before. We're not overly expensive. This is not a $10,000 program. It's not a $5,000 program uh, for the year treatment. But we promise that we can introduce you to a part of you that will bring you to a level you haven't been before. I love that. Well, for um, Nick, thank you so much for coming on. It has been such a beautiful conversation. And I feel like I could keep asking you questions for hours. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But and our listeners, thank you so much for spending time with us. I know your time is valuable. I will put um, the links and information so that you can get a hold of Nick um, or his website in the episode notes. And I will talk to you guys again soon. Thanks again, Nick. Thanks, Caitlin. Appreciate it. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.